This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday. Our show is rebroadcast throughout the week, a number of stations around the country, and look forward to doing this show with you every week as we get into your mind. We talk about the mental side of sports, how that affects you as a parent, a coach, an athlete, an official, a fan, and delve into topics that I think can help you become better. And you know, today we are in a crisis in our country, as everybody knows. Things are changing. Cities are starting to quote unquote open up. States are starting to open up. Things are starting to hopefully get better, but we don't know. The past two and a half months has been a crisis with this pandemic, as we all know, and it's affected everybody. You, me, our families, our friends, our coworkers, our jobs. No one has been immune to this. If you listen to our show regularly, you know that youth sports is one of my passions. I have been a sports psychologist for 39 years. Day after Labor Day, we'll be getting in my 40th year of work. And I've been on the radio now for 29 years here, the last 19 years at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've talked about the importance of youth sports in our society, developing kids, developing the right way to play, having fun. And if you listen, you know that I uh, am co-author of a book with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parent Coaches and Athletes Through Youth Sports. One of the concerns that I've had with youth sports has always been the kids. Are they having fun? Are they enjoying themselves? <clears throat> we have so many parents and coaches who are obsessed with winning and being number one that the fun is gone. Well, now the fun is really gone because kids aren't playing. Youth sports has been affected by this pandemic as much as anything. You know, youth sports is a $19 billion industry. And it affects everybody. It's all over the place. We're talking about outdoor competitions, indoor competitions, kids as young as four and five, all the way up to, to high school kids. They've all been affected. They've lost their seasons. They've lost their time to play. And it's sad. You know, this whole situation is awful. The, the deaths that we've occurred in this country, over 60,000 people have lost their lives. And that tragedy in and of itself is, is so awful. So many people have been financially ruined. And the youth sports industry has been ruined as well. Kids have lost their seasons. They've lost, you know, high school kids have lost their year, their years, their spring sports. College kids have lost their spring sports. And young athletes can't play. I go walk an hour every day, sometimes twice a day. And oftentimes I go to a local high school to their football stadium to walk along the track and the, the high school track's closed. The stadium's closed. They won't let people in. There are a lot of issues like this going on. We can't get out of the fields. We can't play. Hundreds of organizations, including big companies like Pop Warner, Little Scholars, U.S. Lacrosse, have petitioned, have petitioned Congress to create an $18.5 billion youth sports relief fund to help stabilize the industry. 
Youth sports, many people have said, will not be the same following this pandemic. But you know, youth sports has become one of the largest revenue drivers in this country. Cities have developed these, they call them mega cities, multi-purpose complexes for travel events. They've been built with the idea, it wasn't just for the kids, but for the cities to make lots of money. I mean, cities are losing lots of revenue. Young people who are coaching, who have set up businesses to coach kids have lost their jobs. You know, these facilities, these mega complexes are growing up all over the country. There's one here in Kansas, a couple here in Kansas City, a soccer complex and not too far away from the radio station. Where when my kids who are now 30 and, and my younger son Gregory just turned 29 yesterday, they grew up playing baseball and soccer over there on dirt fields. Now they're, it's an incredible complex with, you know, turf and the whole thing. It's, it's beautiful. When they were there, it was dirt. Tournaments are all over the place. Millions and millions of dollars are being spent. So what are we going to do? We need to figure out a way to help these kids out. And joining me after our first break is going to be Janessa Collins. Janessa's a young woman who I've known for years. Met her years ago as a gymnast here in Kansas City. And now she runs a gym in Athens, Georgia. And she's going to join me and talk about this because she's working with a lot of people to try to develop some programs to help save youth sports. I work with a lot of gymnasts here in the Kansas City area. Well, I was working with them, let's put it that way. I'm still working with a couple, but several stopped because their gyms closed down. They can't practice. And several of the gymnastics coaches I've talked to have told me, Dr. Jacobs, I'm going to go out of business. I haven't had any, anybody in here. You know, we've been closed for almost two months. I'm going to go bankrupt. The coaches are losing their jobs. The facilities are closing down. The kids aren't able to play. The coaches aren't able to coach. They're losing valuable skills and times. We're losing money. So we're going to be talking today about this, and I want to hear from you. If you are being affected, have been affected by this, how has it affected you as a parent with kids playing sports? What are you doing about it? How are you helping your kids to get by? If you're a coach whose income, whose profession is determined by this, how is that affecting you? How has that impacted you? Have you lost your job? Are you out of work? What can we do about this? How can we help? What can we do to help? You know, first and foremost, there's, there's, it's the kids. But all, second, and, and we can go one at one, it's the kids, and one A, it's the young people, the coaches, the people who are out there working with these kids who are losing their jobs, they're losing their income. How can we help them out? What can you do? That's what I want to get into today because several of the kids that I'm talking to, I've got several high school athletes who I work with on the phone. You know, I do telehealth now. I do FaceTime sessions and phone sessions with people. They're bored, they're scared, and they're worried. Doc, what's going to happen? I'm going to be so out of shape. So we've been working on mindsets, on attitudes, on developing their brain psychologically to be ready when they come back. How can you be in the best shape mentally when you come back? We talk about goal setting. We talk about last week I had Doug Wiesner, the head of youth sports medicine at the University of Kansas Med Center on, talking about athletes coming back slowly and gradually so they don't get hurt. Youth sports is so important for all of us. If you've got kids, you've got grandkids, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, these kids are being affected and not only are they being affected, but the people who coach them are being affected. So that's what I want to get into. If you're a coach, if you own a facility, how has this affected you? We're going to come back from our first break. Janessa Collins will be joining us. She owns a gym in Athens, Georgia, and she's spearheading a movement to try to help everyone out. We're going to talk with her and get your thoughts. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, 
With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about sports, life, psychology, how it affects us all. And today's show, as I mentioned in our intro, is about the crisis affecting you sports, how it's affecting not just the athletes, but the business owners, the coaches, the instructors. They're all out of work. Their facilities are going under. A lot are going potentially bankrupt. They're going to shut down and close down. So it's not just affecting the kids. It's affecting the adults as well. This week I had the pleasure of speaking with Janessa Collins, whom I've known for years. 
knew her years ago here in Kansas City as a gymnast, and she got a hold of me about her concerns about what's going on, and we decided to have her come on the show and talk about some things because she's trying to help out. So, Janessa, good morning. Thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Morning, Andy. Thanks how, for having me. You're welcome. How are you? I'm doing well this morning. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. So good. let's let's talk for a second about how you and I know each other. And okay. um, go ahead and, and tell people how we met and, and how we've st- stayed in touch over the years. Okay. Um, I believe it was 1985, 1986. And um, I was a competitive gymnast in Lenexa, Kansas. For Gerald Carley, and uh, I was having some issues with um, being uh, with anxiety and maybe some being scared of swinging on the bars and doing some things that I was not um, emotionally, I guess, prepared for to do in gymnastics at a young age. And um, we got tipped off that you were in town, and we started going to see you, and instantly I knew that it was a safe space for me to... Um, explore my career and stay in gymnastics and work through all my um, peers of the skills and just you know when you go through gymnastics or any sport for that long that many years there's a lot of times downtimes that you feel um, things could be different and you really helped me through those hard times and stay in the sport to get into college and now in return I stay in the sport so that um and you competed at Auburn Yes, sir. You went to Auburn and competed there, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, 93 to 98. And now you have, you operated a gym here in Kansas City. Now you have a gym down in Athens, Georgia. Yes, sir. I was in Kansas City for four years at Waldo Gymnastics down in Midtown. And then you moved down to Georgia. Yes, we, uh, uh, my daughter and I moved to Georgia to be around family, and we packed up the equipment and started gymnasia here in Athens, Georgia. Okay, so tell us how everything going on now has affected you as a, as a gym owner and a coach. What's happened? Well, on March 1st, I moved into this great space with high ceilings and enough space to swing big bars and have summer camps and uh, a children's instructional facility that was really going to work and then we got shut down you know 19 days later due to the COVID-19 virus and instantly everything stopped my income my participants my support um it just all stopped we had to close the doors and there was people snitching on people if you were open but you had to be closed you really didn't have a choice so, so it's affected everybody. So boom, here you are opening this new facility. You're all excited. You're getting a lot of young people signed up to come participate. And then this happens and you have to stop. So financially, this has affected you. Emotionally, this has affected you. Psychologically, this has affected you, as well as the kids and the parents, right? Yes, sir. the Parents, um, they're worried that they don't know what to do with their kids when all this is over because we may not be open. And there's only so many children's facilities that provide instruction for sports in towns that um, are going to make it the three, four months that it takes to get everybody back in participation at a full rate again. Okay, so, so obviously, Janessa, this is affecting you personally, psychologically, emotionally, as well as the kids you're coaching. So what did this do as far as now you're getting involved with a lot of people nationally to try to do something? What, what happened? Well, there's a, uh, there's a group of uh, gym owners, passionate gym owners across the country that I think have been um, lined up just by the luck of the life and through some groups of gym owners that are having the same problems. And we decided that we had to, we couldn't go down without a fight and we had to have somebody listen. So we started talking. One thing led to another and it became a change.org petition for save you sports. And it's about getting awareness out to people that these quote mom and pop programs are closing their doors and our kids don't have anywhere to practice or to play or to expand their lives or get their family involved all these places are closing so we started the petition and in three weeks we got um about ten thousand signatures 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's the what's the game plan then? What are you trying to do? The game plan is to um, build as much awareness and get the uh, people in the governing bodies of sports talking about how to help out these these clubs that have professional people that spend their whole lives in sports trying to give back to kids, trying to fulfill community sports. What can we do? We, um, we're talking to everybody. We're looking for a nonprofit organization to get behind us that we can actually go to a lobbyist and talk to them about our initiatives that we've um, come up with. And is this just about gymnastics or is it about all you sports? Absolutely not. It is not a gymnastics um, issue. It's a, it's a children's sport. It's not even just sports. It's children's instructional services. I mean, it, the music groups are growing away, too. I mean, it, it's everything from music to sports to anything that you can teach a kid that you got to have um, a space to do it in. They're just, it's, it's not about gymnastics. It's about sports and kids across the country. Let me ask you a question here. Well, obviously, I'm asking a lot of questions, but this question specifically: Have okay. you have you talked to some of the young young girls you were you were coaching before this happened, and seen how they're doing? Have you talked with them or their parents very much? I have been in contact with most of my kids that were in um, that were committed in my program. Uh, we've been doing we've uh, most gyms have pivoted to doing something online. So there's a lot of Zoom classes going on in the front yard and my kitchen. And we're learning choreography and trying just to stay in their lives. So I check back with them about once a week, twice a week to see how they're doing. Good. And they're doing Good. a lot of cartwheels in their living room. Good. So your communication is there, which, which of course, I would expect that with you knowing, knowing you as I do. All right. I'm talking with Janessa Collins. She owns a gymnastics facility in Athens, Georgia. We'd like to hear from you. We're talking about youth sports and what's going on and what we can do to try to help these kids out, help these gym owners, help these sports facilities owners out. If you're a coach, if you own a facility, if you're a parent, I'd like to hear from you. If you're scared, you're worried, how is this affecting you personally? Give us a call. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest is Janessa Collins. I want to hear from you. If you're an athlete, you're a coach, your facilities owner, give us a call. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. 
Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour on our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today, I'm talking with Janessa Collins. She owns Gymnasia, a gym in Athens, Georgia, gymnastics gym in Athens, Georgia. And we're talking about the crisis in youth sports. And Janessa, as we went to our break there, you know, we're talking about what's going on. So, So tell me about the kids that you work with. How are they doing? Because you're speaking to them regularly. You just opened this gym, so you're just getting started, and then boom, you got to shut down. How are these kids doing emotionally? Uh, emotionally, I think they're um, a little confused. I don't think they really have any real grasp on the time frame that things could get back to what they consider to be normal. Um, they're... I mean, they're they're losing their. I don't know if they're losing, but it's becoming second to them. It's not the first thing on their um, plate is to do what their their gymnastics or their baseball or whatever, because we'd be in full swing of everything right now. So, really, they're just at home with their parents trying to figure out what's coming next. Okay, so as a coach. Let me focus on this with you for a few minutes. What can you do to help them now? Because obviously they can't come into the gym. They can't go onto the baseball field, the basketball court, the swimming pool. So as a coach, what can you say to these kids, psychologically, emotionally, coaching-wise, to help them, even though they're not in the gym with you? Are you able to do any Zoom workouts with them or things like that? Have you thought about things like that? Yes, sir, and I'm sure that's going on at every level across the country, Zoom workouts and that type of thing. Uh, I think you just have to readjust your goals and look at and, you know, readjust your schedule, your goals, your short-term, your long-term, and where you want to be and decide if this is really what you want to do. It's going to take a lot to get through this if you're high-level already. Um, I'd be watching tapes. I'd be watching tapes of other people. I'd be watching technique tapes constantly to make sure that I was up on my technique inside my own brain. And then I'd address my goals and just stay fit and keep working, you know, conditioning to um, stay stay there for when you can get back in the gym because it's coming. It's just going to be a while. Right. And, you know, as you, as you know me, visualization and mental preparation and mental training is so important right now, maybe more so than ever, because so many kids yeah. I'm talking to are telling me that they're bored. 
they're scared, they're worried, they're going to lose all their skills. And, and and one of my concerns for a lot of these kids is when <clears throat> you are able to open your gym back up, everybody's going to be excited to come back. They're also going to be scared because of want, not wanting to contract the virus. So you're going to have to obviously do a lot of work. Hopefully you'll be able to open your gym back up, which we'll get to in a little bit about that. But in regards to that, getting these kids back into their sports is going to just take a step-by-step process, right? Not, not have them come back and try to do it all at once. No, it's going to be a uh, effort, address, and repeat. You know, you're going to have to go slow and take steps and go back to the beginning of your technique and remember that that's the basis of your foundation that got you where you were to begin with. And go back to the beginning and go through all the motions and all the visuals that you can do to get you back to where you are so that you're ready. And you will be able to come back, right? Kids are going to be able Kids are resilient. They're like Gumby. Oh, they're, they're, they're sort of like Gumby. They're, they're very, very flexible. They can come back, right? Most definitely. I mean, youth sports doesn't just build mass muscle and coordination. It builds habits of hard work and resilience and perseverance and things that you absolutely cannot learn just walking around the normal life. Uh, teamwork and how to support others and how to be supported and how to be supportive. There's all sorts of things that these kids are missing on a day-to-day basis, just a commitment of their selves to their worth. Um, it's really a shame that these kids are all at home right now. All right, let me ask you a personal question. As a gymnastics coach whose facility is shut down, not able to, to, to be there, not able to do what you love, what your passion is, you just opened a new gym in Athens, Georgia, and boom, three weeks later, you have to shut it down. Are you scared? Scared? Um, I think I'm, I feel like I've gone through the grieving process. I don't know if I'm scared at this point. Um, I was. When they closed me down, I was petrified and devastated. Um, I am. I have learned that through gymnastics that I can handle pretty much anything that comes my way. So I'm just going to have to pivot if it doesn't work out, and I'll be a judge, and I'll stay in the sport to give back, and I'll continue to try to have a gym. But scared is something I can't allow myself to be at this point, Andy. I got to... At least for the kids, I got to be strong enough to say, hey, I'm trying to get back to the gym and we're going to get there again. It's just going to take a minute. Janessa, what I'm hearing is a very positive attitude from you. And of course, that's who you are, because that's the way you want to be. That's why you, you have been in this sport for such a long time. And let's face it, gymnastics is one sport that's undergone a lot of issues with, with the whole Larry Nasser situation and, and other, I know it's very prominent coaches just suspended this past week. So it's a sport that's that's been scrutinized a lot, and it, but it's also a tremendous sport and so many young girls and boys love it. So now we're in this crisis. You haven't been able to be in your gym for over a month. Hopefully you're gonna be able to financially survive. So what are, what's going on with the national movement to get people to help out? Let's talk about that. Okay, so there is also the Play Sports Initiative that has a lot of support from other sporting governing bodies. And they um, it's relief for these type of programs, but it doesn't cover the, the smaller programs and the kids that we're actually worried about not having programs to go to. So what we're trying to do is get the word out. We have a petition, and we'd like everybody that knows someone in sports or has kids to sign our petition so that it builds awareness for the um, for the movement. And we have a place on the leadership team with a company that is writing the, I believe it's $8.5 million bill that's going to Congress already for play sports. So we're trying to support them back them up and in turn make light of the kids that need these programs that a lot of them are 501c3s and mom and pop type of places and programs that don't aren't actually businesses so we need something in place that can support the smallest of the small programs also okay so where what's the name of that how can people get involved with that sign up donate money where, where do they need to go 
Um, for ours is saveusports.net is our website, and it's change.org is saveusports.net um, petition. You can also go to our Facebook page. Um, there's, there is a donation, but we we're really looking for uh, signatures. And if you could write your local um, county commissioner and get started with the talks in your town about the youth sports that are going away, that's a great place to start. And um, I would start locally. Go to wherever your kids go to soccer, gymnastics, tennis, whatever. I'd go directly to those folks and ask how I could help them personally. What kind of feedback are you getting from people about this? Are you getting a lot of interest from a lot of people wanting to get involved? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it grows overnight. My actual um, local community has backed me up. Um, I actually had to go through GoFundMe to keep my doors open. I had some money that was due um, April 1st, so I did a GoFundMe account. And within two weeks, Athens supported the movement, and um, I got my landlord paid. So we, you just gotta, you just gotta step forward and do it. Well, I've known you a long time, and I know you're a very proactive young woman, and. The reason I wanted to have you on the show today is to talk about this because we need to get the word out. You know, everyone's affected by this crisis. Everybody. I've lost business. You've lost business. We all have. We're all suffering in a variety of ways, psychologically, emotionally. You know, that, that's going to come out down the road even more so. So in our last segment, we're going to talk about this, how that's affected your gymnast, what you can do as a parent, as a coach to help them out because you can still do a lot of things. And we're going to emphasize how people can get involved to help save youth sports. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me is Janessa Collins. She's a gymnastics coach and owner in Athens, Georgia. I've known Janessa for over 30 years. She's a wonderful young woman. She has a passion to help save youth sports, and that's what I want to get at today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. 
but the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Don't worry, be happy. Everything will be all right. And it will be. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but it will be. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And today I'm talking with Janessa Collins, who is a gymnastics owner and coach in Athens, Georgia. And Janessa is helping a movement going to help save youth sports. We've got a crisis in our country in a variety of places, economically, health-wise, psychologically and young athletes are being affected by this in a variety of ways you know the the damage that this is going to do to our society will be here forever but the question is what are we going to learn from this and as as a coach janessa you just got started in this gym you just opened it three weeks later you have to shut it down you're just getting to know these kids so what are you saying to them emotionally psychologically because I know some of them are, I'm assuming, are probably scared. They're worried that they're not going to be able to get their skills back. They're worried that they're going to lose their psychological, physical uh, knowledge of what they're doing. So what are you telling them when you do speak to them? Uh, well, there's a lot of things going on. I think the most important thing right now is that they finish their schoolwork and, um focus on getting out of school for the summertime and then we can maybe um, focus on their sports and what they want to do when we come back into the gym, how we're going to do it and what, where we're going to be. Um, we've already, my, with my kids, I have real young kids. My, uh, my little team is only up to age nine right now trying to build my foundation, but they they want to know what what we're going to do. And so we've already moved on to next year and started setting goals for competition that's going to happen, you know, next spring. So we've started new stuff, things that are going to keep them interested and obviously safe to do at home. But um, I'm looking towards the future, and we just got to get going. Okay. You're talking with a lot of gym owners, gymnastics coaches around the country with this this program to try to save you sports as well as other coaches but what what are some of the fears that they've got that they're sharing with you about everything well the, the people that i'm working with are all across the country montana miami florida um texas and not just gymnastics taekwondo they a lot of them have bigger facilities than i do you know they have two three gyms or 24,000 square feet that they have to figure out how to clean in between uses. Um, the PPP is not actually working real well for these types of facilities because um, for individual reasons. I didn't even I, I didn't even try because I didn't I knew I wouldn't get it. I didn't have enough employees to be eligible. So there's things that are going on with the stimulus packages that are. Um, not really working for these individual programs right now. So we're just trying to, um, they're doing the same things we are online and not having kids in the gym and not being able to pay bills. Are you, are you afraid and want a real honest answer here? You're not going to be able to open back up. (laughs) That I'm not going to be able, yes, I'm really scared about it. Um, my landlord is very kind and he actually gave me a out as of June 30th that if I don't have a full set of summer camp participants and gymnastics classes, ninja zone classes, um, tumbling, you name it, we got it all. If I don't have a full or even halfway full, then he's going to give me a way out of my lease so that I'm not bankrupt. And you're, so, hear- yeah, I'm scared. And you're hearing the same thing from other coaches as well. 
Oh, most definitely. Not even just the coaches don't have facilities to go to, so they don't have jobs. But the owners don't can't use the PPP to pay them because it's not working and it's not forgivable. So it's you know it's, it's a big circle. The other coaches and gym owners you've t- well not sport owners whatever sport facility owners that you've talked to, their goal right now is what to get an awareness of the situation out there to get people to, to hopefully donate some money to get people to contact their their local f- political officials to get involved to help to try to save this this area of life youth sports right yes sir we need we need you know we need the petition to be signed we need everybody to go to their local governments and talk about what they're going to do for the kids what are they going to do for the kids? Not even the athletes, just the kids that need to get their energy out, that need space and safe facilities to go to. Well, what is the community going to do for the majority of facilities that have closed and kids don't have anywhere to go? What I mean, what's going to happen two years down the road when you have a generation of kids sitting at home all the time? What obstacles I, and barriers, what... what, what? negatives have been out there that you've heard from people about this well i um i i don't believe that sports should just be leisure i think it should be affordable for everybody i think it brings the community together young people young adults um there's so much more talent to be seen in the lower you know in every financial bracket than there is just in the um and the and the kids that can be that can afford it, so I think you got to go to your local communities and ask them what they're going to do for. Um, how can we get sports maybe back developmental sports back into schools, so that we can all have um, a level playing field, so that everybody can get involved. And when all kids are involved, then there's like job security for us. But then the kids are all doing something also, and they're not getting priced out. You know, as a sports psychologist for 39 years, I've worked with all kinds of people from young kids all the way up. The the oldest person I ever had in my office was an 81-year-old female golfer. And when I asked her why she came in to see me, and this is a direct quote, she goes, Dr. Jacobs, my putting sucks. (laughs) And, uh... (laughs) That was sort of one, not some, what I expected to come out of her mouth. The youngest person I've had in my office is a, is a seven-year-old gymnast years ago who came in with a list, three pages of goals. And one of the goals she had was, I want to be a collegiate and maybe a, an Olympic gymnast at seven. Okay. I know gymnastics is a sport that requires incredible physical skill. It requires incredible psychological focus and determination. And as a coach, you've got to teach that. And, of course, you, you learn that as a gymnast yourself. To help these kids now, though, this, to me, here, there's two issues here. The, the main issue, we've got to save you sports. And so we're going to repeat, have you repeat where people can donate money, how they can get involved with these programs in a moment. But, but before we get to that, as a coach, what do, you, what do you suggest to other coaches in terms of talking to their kids now to help them get through this to get by until we do get back to competing? Because I know here in Kansas, for example, Everything's closed for a few more weeks, but the plan is to have things open up uh, in a few weeks. So what what do you suggest as a coach, Janessa? I say the coaches um, call the other coaches and gym owners and program facilities in town, and I say everybody get together and put a plan together on how to move forward in a positive way. Get the kids together. And through Zoom and get in contact with people that say, hey, we're, we're, we're still here and we're getting back there and come join us because we're doing good things. So communicate, communicate, communicate. As a coach, let the kids know you're there. Let the parents know you're there. Stay in touch with them. Let them know you're there. Now, from a financial perspective, what can people do to get involved in this? So what can they do? Repeat the organizations again where they can, they can get online and help out. Yes, sir. Um, first and foremost, go to your, um, be loyal to your local communities. And second of all, the change.org, Save You Sports initiative, uh, petition. And we have a website that is net. And um, 
you can actually donate on the change.org petition and you can see the initiatives and what we're asking to get support from Congress for. Change.org. Yes. Okay. Janessa Collins, it's been wonderful having you on the show this morning. You know, our shows are podcasted and I'm going to give you all that information here in a minute. I want you to get, you know, get this replayed to people, let people know about it. I want to thank you for being here and I want to wish you the best of luck because I know you're going to make it and you're going to get through this. You've got the Thanks, determination, Andy. you've got the heart, and you've got the mind to do it. Thank you for being I with me. I appreciate that. Thanks for being Thank with you. me today. I'm sports yes, psychologist sir. Dr. Andrew Jacobs. If you want to help you sports out, get involved. Get involved now because they need your help. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.